You're listening to Tony Mark with The Art of Wellness on PeachRadio.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Art of Wellness on PeachRadio.com. Today in studio, we have Mr. Devon McGregor. Um, I'm going to take a little bit uh, uh, longer today, and I already know I've had people tell me that uh, I take way too long to introduce people. But uh, Devon and I have known each other for over 20 years. Uh, when we were young, I'm still young. He's uh, He's been aging on me, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, Devon and I, we met over 20 years ago uh, uh, as as trainers uh, downtown Toronto. And since then, we've had a relationship where uh, in the fitness world, um, I always looked at Devon because he always seen, uh, he's always been on the cutting edge of uh, what's, uh, what's been new. And um, since I started the show, uh, I've asked Devon many on many occasions to come on the show. And uh, because he's such a busy guy, he um, he finally agreed. Uh, he'll always say that he didn't. He came on the first time, which is kind of a lie. But um, he he's finally here in studio today. And um, Devon has been teaching foundation training uh, for almost a year now. Uh, and it's the most interesting uh, concept that has come along in a long time and Devon has embraced it and not only that he has met with the founder and um, developed a relationship and now uh, Devon is the foremost uh, 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 teacher in, in Canada on foundation training so we're going to discuss a lot so Devon welcome to the show Thanks for having me. oh you <laughs> oh here we go here we go No, the D list is the McGregor, Devon McGregor list, which is a list all on his own. Um, but uh, Devon, no, thank you seriously for coming on the show. And um, before we get into um, the, the foundation training aspect of it, um, just give us a little bit of history on, on yourself, because I know you've been doing this for a very long time. Uh, for me, the idea of teaching movement uh, is something that kind of happened by accident. It wasn't what I thought I'd be doing with my life. Um, I'd been playing sports at a pretty high level from the time I was seven years old. And the evolution of teaching movement uh, came from that, of going off to university, having a degree in uh, kinesiology, getting a degree in fine arts, and putting the two of them together to sort of work on the aesthetics of movement, uh, where it's not just the idea of, of training uh, with no purpose, that I wanted it to really reflect that there's an aesthetic that comes from it as well, uh, but not in the conventional way. So for me, um, foundation training, as you referred to earlier, has been a good way for me to recognize uh, some of the shortcomings that people had, why they couldn't achieve their goals, why even though they were working out really hard, why they still couldn't um, do certain things with their bodies. And so for me, foundation training was a natural evolution that came from that. Uh, that's um, that's so interesting because uh, Devon and I were uh, also business partners in Balance Fitness and um, in Toronto, and um, 
you know, one of the things that I, I, I love about um, working with Devon is that he, he looks at fitness at, at, at a different angle um, than, than most people. It, um, he, he pays so very close attention to the movement, as he says, and it's not just about lifting weights. It's always about, you know, how you get to an end uh, result, but in, in a more efficient way. So the, you know, that's where the, the you know, I, I wanted you to talk about foundation training, but um, you've always had that kind of approach to it, and which seemed, it seemed like a natural fit for you. Have you noticed um, since you started teaching foundation training, the results that people got or that are they're getting is a lot different than they were before? Yeah, that's um, been one of the most, um, I guess even I was surprised to see that. Um, for example, uh, after going to New York uh, to get certified in foundation training, uh, when I returned, uh, it's a it's a pretty intense four days, uh, eight hours a day of working on this stuff. And after returning, um, one of my clients who had a goal of being able to do pull-ups, uh, we spent about two weeks, um, five to six uh, times a week, only working on foundation training for an hour each time. At the end of the two weeks, um, we went to do pull-ups. We hadn't practiced it. We hadn't been doing anything involving any of those things, yet she was able to pull herself up five times. And that was really fascinating because, you know, you, you're sort of taught in the fitness world that if you want to do better pull-ups, you got to practice pull-ups. If you want to do better squats, you practice squats. But what we came to see was that there were elements of any movement that people didn't sort of understand intuitively. Their muscles couldn't do the work and foundation training helped us to do that. So for example, uh, a person will do a squat and I guess they think that doing squats will work their glutes and things like that. What I came to understand is that it wasn't that squats worked the glutes, it was the glutes that were needed to do a squat. So if the person couldn't get the muscles to fire, then doing the squat might actually get them injured. So we had to first sort of step back and literally create a foundation for people to be able to stand on where the muscles could support them, where the joints were supported, and uh, they're going to be healthy and strong for it. And Devon, how did you first get interested in, in foundation training? Like, you know, with the audience listening to you, they, they can understand or, or uh, see how much attention you pay to your training concepts. Mm -hmm. But how was that introduced to you? Sure. Actually, um, one of our coworkers, colleagues, um, uh, Eva Kwan, had, uh, I guess, emailed all of us. Uh, um, Eric Goodman, the founder of the Creative Foundation Training, he had been, he did a, tent, a TED Talk on introducing foundation training. And I just remember feeling this is what I was missing from my own sort of theories of movement. And um, in watching the TED Talk and then doing more research online to find more videos, more information about what foundation training was about, there's sort of this 12-minute video that he has on his website uh, where he takes you through this, uh, this mini workout. And I remember doing it that first day. It was a Sunday. And I felt amazing. Um, then I went out for a walk, as I do on every Sunday morning. I came back in because I needed to do this thing again. I did it again, and I felt even better. And at the time, I, I was doing the workshops at Balance uh, for the staff, um, teaching them my philosophy of movement. And I remember on a Thursday saying to the group, um, if you haven't looked at this video, this TED Talk yet, you need to take a look at it because to me, foundation training is the future and or is going to have a, a big, um, is a big component of the future of movement and fitness going forward. And I think now we see that it's a, it's a really integral part of what was missing from the fitness world. And I'm sure you'll ask questions about that later on, but I think the primary things people need to understand about foundation training is that 
if I refer to movement as a language, and in my view, I always say that movement to me is the only universal language. It's the one language we all speak. More than French, English, math, and so on, movement is a language we can all speak. So if we look at it from that perspective and we go years of our lives not speaking any language for a long time, we're going to lose some functionality in it. So imagine if you go five years not speaking French, a person gives you a document to speak, to, to translate again, you may not understand how to translate it. So movement works in the same way. So a person goes their whole lives not really working out, not moving, not moving well, and then they go to the gym to do a deadlift. Well, they're going to get hurt from doing that. And even if their technique looks good, there are certain muscles in their bodies that we call stabilizers that have shut off because they've been inactive for so long. So just like you know, if people believe in evolution, the body adapts to different things as time goes on. It adapts to good things and it adapts to bad things. It adapts to being unstable. And so when we see people's postures, that's one of the culprits, uh, one of the first signs we can see in people who've lost use of their stabilizer muscles. So one of the basic tenets of foundation training, it helps people to rebuild their, um, their posterior chain of muscles or their stabilizer muscles. And then they can begin the process of actually adding more weight to that structure. And an expression I always use is adding more weight to a faulty structure is a terrible idea. Okay, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, what um, we had a, a, a Nicole Westlake and yeah. Eva Kwan in uh, mm -hmm. earlier, and um, you know they they were uh, explaining. I thought they did a great job explaining the the, the concept also. Mm -hmm. But you, what you've done is is move further ahead mm -hmm. in understanding and now you're teaching it. Yeah. Now you've developed a, a relationship with Dr. Eric Goodman and the creator of Foundation mm -hmm. Training. How did that come about? Sure. I think for me, I've always been curious about people who teach movement, um, whether they be dancers and other performers, other fitness teachers and instructors, yoga, it doesn't matter to me. Um, I think there's something to be learned from all these different modalities. And I think from my perspective, I don't see them any of them as competitors to each other. I see them all as compliments to each other. Um, for me, in my teaching of movement, I do this thing that I call progression training. And what that means is that there's no movement that stands by itself. That everything is either on the way to something or on the way back from something. But I found that with some people I was working with that I couldn't no matter how far back I stepped in the progression of a movement, I couldn't get them to still perform the movement. So for me, foundation training did that because again, the stabilizers were able to turn on in most cases. So I, I'm very, when I get curious about something, I become obsessed in understanding it. So I pursue the thing or the people that are doing that thing. Um, and in this case, Eric Goodman was that guy that I sort of really wanted to understand who he was, why he came up with this thing, his whole philosophy and theory on this thing. And um, I felt that in order to understand what he was trying to do would help me to teach it better. So, you know, I reached out to him. I sent him an email the first Sunday, I think, uh, when I saw this thing and uh, he responded almost immediately um, from California. And that really impressed me as well, um, that uh, even though he created this really great modality, he took the time to respond back to a, a message from a guy who he'd never met before. So I think from that perspective, he really, um, you know, he gave me permission to reach out to him whenever I wanted to. We spoke on the phone. We had FaceTime sessions together to sort of, um, to practice some of the movements, to understand them a little bit better. And Eric is really a, he's probably one of the smartest people I've ever met. I mean, literally, but he's also one of the most down to earth, um, normal people you'll ever meet. He's able to translate some really complex things in a very simplified way. Um, and it makes you say, okay, that makes perfect sense. And that allows you to translate it um, into your own language, into your own movement practice, uh, into your own teaching practices. So, over the years, um, we've we spent some time together, of course, in New York, and I think that really coming to 
to see him, to watch him teach other people movement, to see the responses to him has helped me quite a lot. Um, every time I have a question about something, uh, I send a message to him. He's always very responsive to that. Um, our team at Balance has responded. He's responded very well to them as well. And of course, as you know, we teach it quite extensively at Balance as well. So I think it's kind of been interesting to watch uh, as the foundation training um, process evolves in Canada, how many people come to us at Balance to learn foundation training, how many people across the country think it's us who developed it. And uh, when I say that to Eric, he doesn't get bothered by that. He's really kind of enthusiastic about that. He doesn't want to sort of step on our toe because he recognizes our value to the foundation training community across the world. Uh, that's um, it's it's incredible because I've I've seen it grow and um, it has evolved quite a bit mm -hmm. um, over the last uh, over the last year for sure. What I want to do is take a short break and come back and and we'll delve a little bit deeper into you know how Eric Goodman's philosophy and your philosophy has um, has uh, uh, complemented each other. Sounds and, good. Um, it's uh, it's quite an interesting um, thing to see, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back on the art of wellness peachradio.com you're listening to peach radio streaming from the peach gallery in toronto Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back uh, to the Art of Wellness on PeachRadio.com. We um, were speaking with Mr. Devon McGregor, one of the leading uh, personal trainers in the city of Toronto and, uh, dare I say, in the in the country. Uh, he's been doing it long enough, so I think just by the years of doing it, he's just better than most. So <laughs> it's uh, it's um, Devon has. has um, has has been uh, not only you know my 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 business partner but um, a personal trainer and an educator, uh, and he's always taken that part of it um, so very seriously. So it's uh, it's a pleasure having him on the show, and I wanted to talk a little bit uh, more about what we ended up with in the last um, in the last section where um, it was your philosophy, Devon, um, and your philosophy in, on training and and movement, and when I read what. Dr. Goodman's uh, philosophy. I, I now I, I understood why it was kind of like a seamless, um, a, a seamless uh, um, uh, relation uh, relationship. So tell me a little bit more about your philosophy and how uh, Dr. Goodman's just melted uh, uh, together. Sure. Um, you know, I think that when you teach movement, um, and that's why I refer to it, I'm a movement teacher as opposed to you know. I'm, I guess first we're called personal trainers, and that's great. I think that um, is a very good generic terminology for what we do. But I think for me, I decided that what I was going but to Devon, do. Devon, let me not not. Yeah. not uh, I don't want to interrupt you. Most trainers are not movement teachers. Like you, you're kind of elevating everybody else. Um, they're not yeah. movement teachers. They teach people how to lift weights, and they sure. teach people how to, which is where what separates, you know, you and what we do at balance right. than, than, than what may, so I, I, I you know, uh, not to, 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 to interrupt, but I just think you do it differently than most. Right. I think that's been something I've about to come to accept as well, uh, that, uh, you don't want to rock the boat in the fitness industry too much sometimes because, uh, the same industry that builds you up is the same one that'll tear you back down when you sort of look like you're, you know, the tall poppy syndrome, so to speak. It happens in our industry as well, as you know. So, you know, what I didn't want to do initially was to make people think I was against or anti-training or anti-lifting weights because I'm not. What I'm not for is the idea that um, 
militarizing fitness, for example, which I think I see a lot of these days, is something that was essential for most people to improve their fitness because it's not that necessary. That's my perspective on that. So what I wanted to be able to do was to show people um, why the work they were doing, why that intense workout they're putting in may have been working for them or not working for them, why some people can sustain it and why other people couldn't sustain it. So what you see in our industry, of course, is that the um, sort of the retention rates are pretty low. Uh, people join gyms, they quit, and they try again, they quit, and so on. That's normal, and of course, this time of the year, we start to see people falling off coming to the gym in other, other gyms across the city, for example. So for me, the idea of movement is a much bigger thing. It's what we do every day, and as I said, it's a universal language to me. So foundation training has a very similar sort of thought process where they call there as a universal accessory to movement. So when we talk about stabilizer muscles in training, for example, we take our spine, such an important sort of part of our body, yet most of us don't really understand how it works. And so we do these exercises to strengthen our back, but it's not really our back we're trying to stabilize, it's our spine we should be trying to stabilize. And that means that front, back, from the sides, and so on should be our focus and the emphasis of training. And understanding how the posterior chain of muscles in our body actually helps to stabilize that. The anchoring of the hips, for example. And these are all things that are sort of main components of foundation training that many other training modalities could also adopt, but they don't or don't understand that it's actually an integral part of their training. So uh, when you see some of the movements that we work on, uh, I always tell people, for example, that um, generally speaking, there are about seven patterns of human movement. Um, squatting is one, hinging, gait, or how we walk, um, pushing, pulling, rotation, for example. These are all patterns of movement. So rather than thinking about a squat as being an exercise, I think of it as a pattern of movement. It's a good place to rest. I mean, and you see it in children all the time. Children always play while squatting. So this is a natural place for us to be in, but most of us, when we become adults, we no longer can squat, but we go to an exercise that we call squats, but we've lost the functionality that the child had when they squatted. So we didn't realize we had to go back and sort of regain the skills that the, the kid had before we begin the squat again, but yet we start adding more weight to that by lifting weights, literally doing a squat with weight on your back or holding onto a kettlebell or otherwise. Which is one of the reasons why so many people get injured that's right. doing a squat. Yeah, and they don't understand that's what's happening. So they hurt their back and they go to the doctor, or the physiotherapist or the chiropractor say, my back hurts. And because we live in a symptoms-based society, we treat the back pain. But the back isn't necessarily the problem. Maybe it's how their hips work. Maybe it's how their knees are. Maybe it's because their arches are falling. All these things are important to the, um, to the pattern of movement called a squat and many others as well. So what we try to do in foundation training and at Balance as well is to show people how to regain this functionality, regain the stabilizer muscles of their bodies before they begin lifting all these things. And so I think people shouldn't mistake that foundation training is a, is a modality that is supposed to be used exclusively, where you only do foundation training. Certainly, if you want to, you can do that. But we show people as well how to reintegrate it into the things they do, whether it be running, yoga, um, we have lots of yoga in in instructors and teachers who've come to me over the last few years to learn how to do this thing uh, called stabilization through foundation training. We've even had um, a woman came to me recently uh, who was a PhD in music. She's on the Toronto Symphony playing the clarinet. And she had seen this sort of discussion I had online about uh, decompression breaths. We, we were in, in foundation training and she wanted to learn how to do this thing. And after an hour or two with me, she said, in all the years I've been doing music, I've never been taught how to breathe properly. 
And that was a, a mind-blowing thing for me to hear, that this PhD in music had never been taught how to breathe correctly. She was just taught to breathe, just, just breathe. Yeah. You know, in between, you know, blows on this horn, just take a breath. But she'd never been taught how the ribs and the muscles around them work to take a breath in. And that was really an interesting thing to me. It, um, it, it, that leads me to my next question, which is, can the foundation training, does it, it, does it focus on a, on, a, on, a, on a population, a specific population, or can anyone benefit? I, I, I know because I've been taught by Nicole Westlake and, uh, you know, trying to, to do it and, and, and it's not as, as simple mm -hmm. as, it, um, as it seems, but um, it, can anyone do it? Yeah. Um, yes, everyone can do it. Um, we see children practicing it. Um, we have um, the elderly practicing it. We do use it with athletes extensively, as you know. Um, and it's interesting that uh, I can say that whether it's a children or the elderly, whether it's a middle-aged man or woman, whether it's an elite athlete, they all have the same struggles. The elite athlete, when doing foundation training, is reduced to the same ability as someone who's elderly. Well, I I, um, I saw it happen in front of my eyes mm -hmm. when um, Dr. Goodman had sent a couple NHL athletes to you, mm -hmm. and uh, these big, strong guys were shivering yeah. uh, with with uh, just uh, minor movements. Yeah. You know, so it um, I, I've seen it happen. So it's quite interesting how uh, anybody uh, can can right. benefit from it. Um, what there are in foundation training, there's what we call template exercises. These are sort of basic movements that we'd like to have everyone learn. And it begins with some very basic things like a decompression breath, for example, um, with uh, learning how to anchor the, the hips by um, strengthening the adductor muscles, the inner thigh muscles that run on the inside of our legs, um, by learning how to use the arches of our feet uh, to hold our proper selves up. From there, we immediately see the people's postures begin to improve almost immediately. Um, from there, we have what we would call layering of exercises where those template movements become more challenging, more complex, uh, more integrated. And um, I think from that perspective, we start to see that we can then reintegrate um, other movement patterns, other modalities back into foundation training. And that's how we approach it with pretty much everyone that comes to us. But I think especially the athletes, because I think the approach I was taking with them in the past is that their seasons were over. And if you played for the Leafs, that was pretty early. Um, <laughs> but then um, they would come to us in May or June or July. And immediately, most trainers begin lifting weights with them again, begin doing their, their conditioning training with them again. But many of them have like a lot of injuries. So what we saw was that their stabilizers were completely shut off. So we begin the process with them of immediately doing foundation training. Some of them are doing as much as two separate hours in a day of foundation training exclusively. We will do that up to a month uh, out. Uh, so if they're starting in June, we go all the way through the month of June to July, just practicing foundation training with them. By that time, their stabilizers are so strong, we begin to challenge those stabilizer muscles once again, just to make sure that it's holding. And then we begin the other forms of training, the other conventional ways of lifting and conditioning to bring them back up to their seasons. But we see that they're less injury prone during their seasons after that. And when you mentioned progression training mm -hmm. before, that's what you were talking about, yeah. where you're starting at one point right. and slowly getting someone integrated yeah. into the other. Um, even more complex than that, though, um, for me, I look at something like, um, let's say a person wants to do push-ups with their feet on a stability ball. But if I work them backwards in the progression, so I'm going to bring them back to, let's say I'm doing planks from their knees and their forearms. If a person can't hold their spine stable from their knees and their forearms, then doing a push-up actually shouldn't even be done in my view. 
because they're showing they can't stabilize themselves while doing that. If their scapula is collapsing while in the plank, then doing push-ups is going to make them collapse even more. So for me, um, a plank from the knee leads to a place that could be a push-up from the balls of their feet. And that allows them to be stable during the whole process and aren't being challenged in, in a way that may lead them to injury down the road. It, um, ladies and gentlemen, now hopefully you've gotten a better idea of when I introduced uh, Devon at the beginning saying that he does look at fitness in a different light and his approach to it is quite different. Uh, we're going to take one more short break and come back with Devon and um, discuss what he does in his, um, in his personal life to, to stay in shape and, uh, and uh, keep, keep himself ahead of the curve. Uh, we'll be right back on The Art of Wellness. You're listening to Peach Radio, streaming from the Peach Gallery in Toronto. We're back on The Art of Wellness on peachradio.com with Mr. Devon McGregor. And um, what I wanted to do was get away from the, the, the formal... Uh, uh, um, uh, section of the show where uh, Devon gave you all the answers and he enlightened you with uh, his philosophy and and what he he um, uh, tries to teach and 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 um, and how he tries to educate people every single day at uh, at Balance Fitness, but um, you know people always they're always interested into in in finding out what trainers do in in their own lives to mm-hmm. stay in shape and and eat well and so on. If you have haven't seen Mr. McGregor. Um, he's a tall, somewhat uh, handsome man, <laughs> and um, he's since the day that I met him. I think he's been the same weight. He's always been in shape. Um, so, Devon, what do you do to take care of yourself? Uh, for me, training has um, always been different than how other people approach it. I think, or the vast majority of people I watch training, um, and even if not, I don't really use the exercises. Uh, in the in the same reason for the same reasons other people might use it uh, to me it's it's a means to an end it's something that allows me to do the things I want to do with my body the way it ends up looking is a byproduct of the way I use it as opposed to the thing I aspire to so and that's uh, for me the aesthetics of training is an important thing but it's not the reason why I do it I just found that for me the body ends up changing because of the things you use it for um, I always use this expression that if you want your body to look a certain way, you have to be able to make it do certain things. So I'm always sort of looking for ways to make my body perform better. And for some people, it's different. For people, it's performance, for dance, for others, it's uh, other sports, martial arts, to be able to walk upstairs or go on a hike or to be able to ride their bikes and so on. For me, I don't want to have any limitations on that. So I found that over the years, um, the different ways I choose to use my body in training makes it more... Um, symmetrical, um, that I'm able to have it have an aesthetic quality to it that doesn't require me focusing exclusively on any one thing or any one part. Okay. So you're in, and when it comes to, to nutrition, mm-hmm. do you take the same approach, uh, to nutrition as you do with training or you, you, or do you have any, um, uh, like secrets that you 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 wouldn't mind sharing with us uh in order because you you've always been in in great shape and i know it's not just about you know working out in the gym it's about uh eating also you know the funny thing i'll i'll answer the question by saying this that even the idea of working out for me i you know you probably know this it's rare that i actually even work out in our own gym 
Um, part of the reason for me is that I can't get anything done when I'm in there. Absolutely. Right. Like, you, we, we know that. <laughs> right. So I, I, I want to put on my headphones. I want to go mind my business. I want to go in a corner somewhere. I just want to go do the things I do and leave. And, um, I think nutrition is the same way for me. I, I'm always amazed that people spend so much time obsessed with nutrition. I literally just completely overwhelmed by what good eating means. I know people who literally live on coffee and uh, chocolate bars and are trainers and have amazing looking bodies. Yeah. And I know people who eat so phenomenally well, there's no nothing missing as far as uh, microbiotics in their diet, yet don't look the way the other people do. So to me, it's always been an interesting thing. I'm not an expert on nutrition, so I try not to talk to people about that. We have naturopaths that balance, as you know, and um, we use them to talk about nutrition because they're the expert. And I'm always happy to defer to the experts on those things. I think for me, I want people to sort of think about their own diet, um, or whatever they call diet, as being a thing that doesn't allow them to get to where they want to be. Um, whether it's from a health perspective or whatever they call health, whether it's just for aesthetics or their own fitness levels, is to really look at it as saying, you know, whether I'm going to try to be a vegan or a vegetarian, don't be so dogmatic about it um, just because somebody else is doing that. If being a vegan doesn't allow you to build a body of a bodybuilder, then you shouldn't uh, you know, pursue being a vegan. If it doesn't keep you healthy, if you're always getting sick or getting a, a cold or flu, then maybe that's not the right diet for you. And to look at things like that, as you know, it's rare that I ever get sick. Yet, I'm not really at all all that concerned about my diet, I think in part because it's just part of who I am and what I do. And it's not always normal. So I'm, I'm not answering your question specifically because I think for me, after a workout, there's times where I want to eat a whole chicken. Yeah. <laughs> and I do. And you probably know what that feels yeah. like. And there's times where I don't feel like it. Yeah. And so, but to me, it's not this simple thing as eat this way, eat this number of calories every single day. I wait for my body to sort of tell me what it needs. And based on how I train it, there's times where I've done a lot of work to my, that my ligaments and my tendons need to be, they need recovery. And I feel that happening. And so I might want to choose to have more protein in my diet. There's days where my energy level is lower or it's been low for a while, which means I may have to increase my complex carbs maybe a little bit more. It's not static for me. I play with it um, in the same way I play in my training. Okay. Well, it's, um, it's certainly working for you. So it, mm -hmm. uh, it's, uh, it's something that, uh, you can, you can teach not only, you know, the, the resistant part of it or the foundation training part of it, but, uh, people look to you for advice on everything. But, mm -hmm. you know, I, I love what you just said, how, um, you defer to people, you defer to the experts and mm -hmm. what they do. Yeah. And that's something that I think as a team at Balance, what we've been able to, to practice no um, is, is help people. If you can't answer a question, mm -hmm. don't pretend. Absolutely. You know, go to the expert, yeah. lead someone to, down the right path, mm -hmm. uh, which is, uh, is something that, uh, that has always uh, resonated with um, our team. Absolutely. Um, Devon, thank you so very much for, for coming on the show. It was a pleasure having you. My pleasure. And um, you're welcome back anytime. I'll keep that in mind. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it's been uh, a pleasure having Devon on the show, and hopefully you've gotten something um, out of it. Uh, if you, um, uh, I would like to ask Devon uh, if there's a, a, a way to contact him, uh, how do you get to, um, to first of all, contact you and, uh, and see you? for your your expertise sure um on twitter you can reach me at devon mcgregor uh 
You can send me an email at our BalanceFit email account, uh, Devon at BalanceFit.com. Of course, if you go to our website at BalanceFit.com, you'll find me. And of course, my own personal uh, webpage as well, DevonMcGregor.com. Uh, Devon, once again, thank you for being on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Tom. Ladies and gentlemen, um, we'd like to thank Adam Zizov, uh, our engineer, uh, for uh, for helping us out uh, once again, uh, making us sound good, and Mr. Vince Negro for creating the the Art of Wellness. Uh, we'll we'll be back next week with another episode of the Art of Wellness on PeachRadio.com. I'm Tony Mark. <laughs>